This podcast is sponsored by OAG. With the world's largest network of air travel data, OAG provides the most comprehensive, accurate flight schedule and flight status information from one trusted source. Explore our industry-leading data for airlines at OAG.com. Everybody knows about Southwest Airlines' historic rise to greatness. Simplicity was its hallmark, a simple network, a simple fleet, a simple product offering. But today we're going to talk about Air France KLM, possibly the most complicated airline in the world. Seth, is there any airline in the world more complex than Air France KLM? Eh, Lufthansa is up there too, Korean Air, a few others, but it's it's uh, one of the most complex for sure. There's the Dutch unit KLM, which made a decent 7% operating margin in 2016. There's the LCC Transavia, which also has Dutch and French versions. Transavia broke even in 2016, the first time it's done that. There's a maintenance unit, there's a cargo unit, there's HOP, and there's Air France itself. Where do we start? Let's start with introductions. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly. And I'm Seth Kaplan managing partner of Airline Weekly. We're going to attempt to sort out Air France KLM. Also, we'll check in on the two big Canadian carriers, as well as Asul, Copa, Finnair, Singapore Airlines, and many more. It's all coming up on the Airline Weekly Lounge. Thanks for joining us. We're starting the show with Air France KLM. The group as a whole had a pretty mediocre 2016. For the year, the group had a $495 million net profit with an operating margin of just 4%. Seth, what are the pain points for this airline group? Well, you mentioned all the complexity and you know, complexity in and of itself, Jason, isn't an awful thing, but you just have to be able to justify it with, with revenue. So, you know, if you look at an airline like you know, Delta, let's say, uh, Delta is a rather complex company. It does a lot of the same things you talked about. You know, it insources maintenance, uh, you know, f- does it for other airlines, does all its IT in house and, and, uh, uh, yeah, obviously just a big global airline. It does a lot of different things, but the revenue's there, uh, you know, to, to, to justify all of this. Activity activities. Whereas at Air France, you do have a lot of these units, you mentioned Transavia, where, uh, you know, a lot goes into producing that product uh, and, and not a lot to show for it in, in terms of profitability. Uh, and uh, look, you know, their, their labor issues are no better than they've ever been. Uh, you know, France, not only an expensive place to do business, but also just a place where, uh, you know, they end up taking a lot of strikes. And yeah, they're just uh, in, a, in a place where there's still a hyper competitive industry. There's probably nothing they could do to put up the kinds of margins that uh, let's say US carriers are putting up because uh it, you know it, it's it's just a far more fragmented industry and uh, these airlines you know although they uh, sort of speak differently the the big 3 european ones uh, i'm speaking of speak differently of the 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 threat from the middle eastern um uh, gulf carriers you know from carrier like turkish let's say uh the reality is that they all are considerably more exposed to that kind of competition than are the U.S. carriers. Uh, you know, it's just the, the Gulf is just a lot closer to Europe than it is to, to the U.S. And so those carriers compete for, for far more of the same traffic flows, uh, just for far more of the same business that Air France, KLM, and, and its European peers would like to cover. And that's that's just the start of it. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why, uh, why, it's, why it's tough to be Air France, KLM. Is it a hopeful sign that Transavia is now breaking even? 
Well, it's it's better than losing money, right? It's uh, you know, again, it's it's a costly operation to run. You know, if you're breaking even, you're not breaking even, right? Because you're 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 not uh, in all likelihood recovering your your cost of capital. You know, they they see it as as an important hedge. Uh, you know, an, an important way to to compete somehow with all the low cost service surrounding them. To be clear, they're not thinking of letting up on that. You know, al- although there are there are individual things that they're giving up, like the, uh, the 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 Munich experiment. They were trying to build up a presence there, and they're 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 giving up that. You know, Transavia up until now has been uh, has been a short haul unit. Air France KLM, unlike Lufthansa, has not really gotten into the long haul low cost flying game. That's going to change. Well, at least if they can uh, get their pilots to go along on a plan to uh, uh, fly long haul with a with a lower cost platform. We don't yet know exactly what it'll look like, but uh, but that's their plan. So so sure, you know, you'd rather be breaking uh, money, uh, breaking even rather at the operating level at least than uh, uh, than losing money. Uh, you know, it's just never good when a uh, when a big percentage of what you do is defensive you know as, as opposed to playing playing from your strength so oh you know a lot still goes well for them uh but yeah it, it, they're just very exposed to uh to a lot of a lot of the industry's threats one piece of good news air france klm saw some positive revenue trends in the fourth quarter in light of that how do you see things going in 2017 yeah that's that's helpful hopeful and, and helpful i suppose indeed um it, it's it's uh look you know if you look around the world at, at problem spots and, and you know it's no coincidence i say around the world remember this is a company that is a very long haul oriented company things that happen far away from air france matter more uh than they do for uh the us carriers for example which as globally oriented as they might be uh are are still much more short haul oriented than the big 3 us carriers so or than the big 3 european carriers rather uh so so the big 3 european groups uh, you know iag lufthansa and air france klm itself still a lot more exposure around the world uh, you know if you look at places like latin america asia some previously awful trends in those places are are now looking a, a lot better. I know you wanted to talk later in the show, Jason, more specifically about some of the carriers in Latin America. But suffice for now to say that um, uh, you know that that is a part of the world uh, where the worst does seem very much to be behind it. Um, you know, if there, if there are no more surprises, Asia. Um, you, you know, we know that in light, especially of the the the, the terrorist attacks in, in France itself in, in late 2015 as well as some others in Europe. You know, people have been avoiding uh, Europe to a degree broadly and in specific places like Paris uh, in particular. Well, uh, you, you know, things seem to be improving in terms of, uh, you know, inbound leisure traffic. Uh, so, so yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's very helpful for a carrier that is always going to be more of a revenue-focused carrier than a cost-focused carrier, you know, notwithstanding all the things it does to try to control its cost. For a revenue-focused carrier to have uh, rather positive revenue momentum uh, in the fourth quarter and going into this year is, is indeed hopeful news. One more note on Air France KLM. We wrote in Airline Weekly that Air France KLM and other European carriers might be benefiting from a shift away from foreign travel to the U.S. This follows the president's stance on immigration. How serious is this and could it really be a net benefit to European carriers? A relative net benefit, perhaps. I mean, look, if 
if, if we're going to have the U.S. turning inward and, you know, who knows what other kinds of reactions we're going to sort of, you know, second and third order effects we're going to see around the world, you know, it's hard to think that that this is going to be a good thing for very many airlines. You know, if the election of uh, of Donald Trump uh, ends up leading to the election of uh, Marine Le Pen in, uh, uh, in, in France um, and, and, you know, others like her around the world, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be celebrating well, anybody among companies that, you know, that whose job it is to connect the world. But yeah, no, at the moment, you know, in terms of discretionary leisure travel, you know, in terms of somebody just somewhere else who, who wants to take a trip somewhere, and it could be the US or it could be, uh, you know, Europe or elsewhere. And, you know, they're seeing that the US is, uh, you know, being portrayed as, as a less welcoming country. Sure, you could imagine to some degree or another, that's at least um, it's at least better for uh, for a European carrier than it is uh, for a U.S. one. But you know, and anybody rooting for uh, the U.S. to uh, to to suffer too much in terms of inbound travel, that you know, would 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 want to be careful with what they wish for, because um, you know, the the more likely outcome is that uh, you know, if this all ends up mattering in a material way at all for the airline industry, uh, it'll more be a question of how bad it is for for uh, different carriers rather than a question of it being you know a, a great thing for for carriers in one place let's take a moment to thank our sponsor oag learn more at oag.com enjoying a little more success than air france klm are canada's two dominant carriers air canada and westjet and the story here is that Air Canada continues to close the gap on WestJet. Air Canada posted a 9.7% profit margin for all of 2016. WestJet's was just fractionally higher, 10.3%. Yeah, we don't usually talk about fractions, but in this case, it's interesting because although both numbers round to 10%, uh, you know, indeed, it's it's uh, it's WestJet here, just just about a half a point higher than Air Canada. Uh, you know, we're talking here about companies that a year earlier in 2015 it was WestJet, you know, 14% to 11% for Air Canada, three point gap. And I mean, for for most of WestJet's history, it was uh, it wasn't even close. You know, there were a lot of years where Air Canada was was uh, happy if it was making money at all, and and WestJet was uh, was among the most profitable airlines in the world. So uh, yeah, Air Canada doing quite well. Uh, you know, neither of those numbers are outstanding uh, within North America compared to, you know, most of the, the, the continent's carriers, the, the U.S. carriers. Well, I think all of them uh, did better than that, right? Who, who let's, let me just take a quick look here. Did anybody do worse? Yeah, no, no, nobody had had uh, operating margins even nearly that you know american was was uh was the bottom at 15 percent. so you know compared to them uh neither canadian carriers doing well compared to a lot of others around the world they're still doing fine but uh but yeah no air canada really outstanding what they've um what they've managed to accomplish in terms of uh in terms of really closing that gap uh with a with a lower cost competitor and one that you know that, that just has an excellent track record generally speaking Regarding WestJet, the the number that jumped out at me the most was the 8% fourth quarter operating margin. That was down from 12% the year before. Yeah, pretty big decline. Um, and look, there were a lot of airlines around the world that that did decline. I mean, you know the story, Jason. Basically, you know, fuel fuel prices uh, stopped declining. In fact, they were increasing. Uh, so if you didn't have very positive revenue trends to offset the uh, negative uh, fuel price trends, uh, you um, you know you 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 were suffering. Uh, you know, Canadian dollars is has been uh, rather weak. And so uh, so yeah, so uh, WestJet did decline as you said from twelve percent to eight percent. Although to be fair. 
or Air Canada two uh, declined in its case by by, by three points instead of four points uh, in the fourth quarter. So so uh, so both carriers uh, slipped. It was just WestJet slipped more, uh, as had been the case uh, throughout much of the year. We've talked about Air Canada's aggressive international growth before. But I don't know if I ever got an answer to this question. Why is Air Canada growing like it is while the big three U.S. carriers aren't growing much at all? Well, part of it's just the, the philosophical difference. You know, Air Canada is is um, is basically turning itself into, you know, if not a low cost carrier, you know, a carrier that's that's trying to win on costs. Um, look, a lot of its growth has been from densifying its cabins to probably a greater degree than any other airline in the world. I think they added more than a hundred seats to their triple seven dash three hundred ERs. You know, through a combination of of um, you know, fewer business class seats, uh, you know, so more economy, uh, going to 10 across rather than nine across in, in economy and those sorts of things. But anyway, when you add it all up, just an incredible densification operation. So that explains part of it. Um, but, it but it certainly doesn't explain all of it. I mean, a, a week doesn't go by, it seems, where Air Canada is not making um, some new uh, route announcement. And so, yeah, you know, they've basically decided that they um, that they want scale. Uh, they also looked, uh, you know, and, and scale, you know, drives down your unit costs, especially when it's scale like densification, where you just get to, you know, it's just the same airplane with the same pilots and the same of so much else. And you just get to spread those costs among so many more seats, you know, you might need an extra flight attendant or two, but that's uh, not too expensive. Um, you know, in terms of all the route announcements. So yeah, they are fl- flying to all these far flung places around the world, doing a lot of it with their lower cost platform Rouge. Uh, so that's you know, particularly efficient growth. And they are filling those long haul flights with uh, more and more short haul feed, in particular from the US. You know, they are sucking up traffic from the US, piping it through Toronto, especially also Montreal and Vancouver, uh, and sending it abroad. And so, um, you know, basically, they they look at, uh, you know, their home market as yeah, not a huge market, but there is a huge market south of the border. Uh, They've got good geography for a lot of uh, global connections. And uh, they want to compete for uh, uh, for a lot of that traffic. Be interesting, by the way, Jason. We have to keep an eye here on the dynamics between Air Canada and and United. Um, United has, if you listen to some of the things they say, they seem to be growing less and less subtle about about their concerns uh, or, or what seem to be their concerns anyway about Air Canada's rate of growth. Yes, they are long haul joint venture partners, but United uh, very clearly doesn't believe in very rapid growth. Um, you know that's the way they see it and you know Delta and American see it is you know that's not what turned the US industry around it's com- capacity discipline that did it and uh, uh, so so let's let's see what uh, what happens um, between those two close partners here uh, who now seem to have increasingly divergent uh, views on on uh, what optimal capacity growth looks like for both of these carriers Air Canada and WestJet do they have much to worry about in terms of new competition? Well, uh, you know, there's there's New Leaf. That's the the ultra low cost carrier in, in that's already operating in in uh, in Canada, and they have been WestJet in particular has been competing very aggressively um, against New Leaf, and 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 you know seems to have succeeded in in uh, kind of frustrating New Leaf, New Leaf a little bit, um, you know, forcing it out of a few markets. You know, there's 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 another um, potential low cost carrier that's trying to get off the ground. Um, actually, actually, an existing airline that does. You know, it's not really you know in in this business uh, right now but it's called that airline's called Enerjet uh, it would rebrand itself and so forth uh, apparently Indigo Partners you know it's Bill Frankie the the big 
ultra low cost carrier backer um, uh, is you know poised to get involved in that. Um, and so you know if you end up potentially having both of those ultra low cost operations uh, flying around, uh, then then sure uh, that's a threat. And uh, you know and then there are existing operator Air Transat is is uh, is is a you know a very low cost, not very small um, uh, leisure operator in Canada. It's there. And so, uh, so yeah, you know, it, there's all of that. You know, the U.S. ultra low cost carriers do a lot of business from the border. It's not new, but uh, you know, from the airports just south of the border. Um, but Air Canada and WestJet themselves are are really getting into more and more of of each other's business. Um, you know, WestJet has gone both big and small. You know, it has wide bodies now flying to London. Um, that's important competition against Air Canada, and it is turboprops flying as WestJet Encore into some of the smaller markets. Um, and, you know, so whereas Air Canada has gone low cost with, with Rouge. So uh, uh, they're just competing much more directly against each other uh, than than they previously had in, in a lot of markets, particularly the very small Canadian markets and then long haul markets. And, uh, you know, most importantly of all, they're, they're just they're just growing rapidly. And, and uh, so it's just more capacity competing against each other, uh, competing, uh, you know, two airlines competing against each other with more capacity. I wouldn't want Indigo partners showing up in my neighborhood. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, uh, it'll be interesting for, uh, for, you know, if in fact that goes forward for, uh, New Leaf especially, um, they'll have to be very nimble about, um, deploying their assets wisely but no for the other two too it's uh um you know anybody who thought it who thought canada was a comfortable duopoly uh you know it's it's not at all what it uh what it increasingly is is turning into again not not that there ever were really just two airlines um you know because you have there's significant other operators or not to mention look uh, uh, uh you know just U.S. carriers compete for some of the same traffic flows, um, you know, going in the other direction. You know, somebody in in uh, in Canada who wants to go to South America, uh, you know, might be connecting in Atlanta or Houston or somewhere else. I mean, it does go both ways. Um, but right now, the trend is certainly um, more of the uh, the Canadian carriers being uh, being the the uh, the aggressors. Yeah, a lot lot going on in you know in a market that yeah I think we all sometimes have a tendency to think of as kind of a mature stable market, but uh, highly dynamic. Speaking of a lot going on, a lot of airlines have reported fourth quarter earnings, and we've been. Well, we've been falling behind here at the lounge. In order to remedy that, I thought we'd unleash the power, not to mention the unadulterated joy that comes with a lightning round. Seth, I'm going to give you the airline, its operating margin for the quarter and for the year, and you tell me whatever you want to about that airline. All right, starting with Finnair. Fourth quarter result was a 0% operating margin, just 2% for the year. You said whatever I want to about that airline, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that livery, Finnair. Finnair, <laughs> the livery. Yeah, yeah. Not my favorite. Um, but I think you might want something else. Uh, so, yeah, um, you mentioned 2% for the year. That's not high, but it's 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 better than 1% a year earlier. You know, it might not sound too exciting, but, you know, I mentioned before, the, the, a lot of carriers around the world slipped uh, year over year. So this is an airline, at least, that is uh, uh, moving in, in the right direction. Uh, and, and and by the way, uh, you know, the, some things went wrong uh, that were temporary issues. You know, A5, A350 delivery delays, for example, they canceled some flights because of the kind of a bulge in pilot training needs and so forth. So, um, uh, you know, it, it's it, an airline with with some reasons for hope. Also, I mentioned before the sort of the 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 what seems to be the return of of, of uh, some 
leisure demand to Europe from Asia. Uh, it's very important for Finnair. Um, you know, they, they, uh, um, to a big business connecting Northeast Asia with, uh, with, with points all over Europe. Uh, they've got the best hub for that geographically. Uh, so that's good for them. So yeah, look, you know, reasons for, uh, uh, for hope for an airline, by the way, that's, that's, um, that's growing more than, uh, than, than some of the European leisure or i should say a legacy airlines you know growing like eight to ten percent this year it's a lot more than uh yeah than air france klm companies like that so, so yeah you know relatively speaking for Finnair, things are okay um but you know it's hard to feel too good uh, uh you know on a sustainable basis about a uh you know about an airline that's you know just kind of breaking even with uh fuel costs that are still rather low and so forth uh you know they're kind of always looking over their shoulder always the question out there you know are they going to become a part of some bigger group you know iag or somebody but uh no no imminent sign of that norwegian a negative nine percent operating margin on the fourth quarter uh positive five percent for the year yeah, and that's not too inspiring either, you know, for a low-cost carrier. You know, by the way, that that negative 9% for the quarter uh, was a significant decline from negative 2% uh the same quarter a year earlier. So this is an airline that, you know, obviously is growing very rapidly, sending its streamliners all over the world, but it it never seems to be able to you know, give markets a time to mature before it's growing into new markets. It's been, especially when you're talking about long haul markets. I mean, you know, most of them aren't going to be wildly profitable, if, if profitable at all, at the beginning. And so, when you always have a large percentage of your networks new, you know, and then if you accept the fact that well, new stuff is probably not going to be terribly profitable, then well, a large percentage of your network's probably not terribly profitable, and that uh, seems to be the issue with them. So, uh, yeah, it's an airline. It's it's been their story for a long time. Just always sort of, uh, you know, a lot to prove still in terms of being a um, a sustainably profitable airline. Uh, so certainly a very important airline. Yeah, they outpunch their way in terms of importance around the world. You know, uh, you know, they they're they're relevant in more markets around the world than you know, Ryanair, EasyJet, low cost carriers like those. Uh, but in terms of their finances, uh, they're they're nowhere in the same uh the uh in the same ballpark as as uh, either of those two nor nor of uh, any of the very profitable airlines around the world virgin australia five percent operating margin for the second half of 2016 four percent for the full year yeah uh and that was at least up that four percent from uh two percent a, a year earlier at actually it's best showing all decade the four uh, percent. So that's kind of a good news, bad news thing. You want to be moving in the right direction, and then they are, and that's uh, that that that's great. But when you know when you haven't done better in that all decade, it tells you that we're talking about an airline um, that's just not a uh, not a terribly uh, successful airline. You know, it's an airline that's owned in its majority by other airlines. Uh, you know, like Singapore Airlines, um, uh, like Etihad, uh, no longer Air New Zealand, still an important strategic partner, but Air New Zealand basically lost patience with with all the losses and uh and uh sold i believe it's finished so it's selling it's all all its shares if, if anything you know, a very small number remain it's an airline that uh for for a while seems to run more for the benefit of its other strategic partners than optimizing for um uh in any kind of laser-like focus uh you know for its own profitability and uh and an airline by the way you know we start off the show talking about complexity at air france klm you know here's another airline that does a lot of things um but it's even 
quite a bit smaller, of course, than your friends KLM and uh, and uh, without really the, um, uh, the the revenue to show uh, for the complexity. It started out as a promising low cost carrier, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a large developed market called Virgin Blue back then. And as it grew into all kinds of different businesses, uh, it, it it just never seemed to be able to justify all of all of that new complexity um, with uh, accompanying profits. Iceland Air, negative 10% for the quarter, but a positive 9% for the year. Yeah, and that's always its story. It uh, this is one of those airlines that you know has to run up the score in the in the summer. Um, you know, you're never going to make a lot of money, uh, if any money at all, in the winter in Iceland. That negative ten percent, unfortunately, um, was was down significantly from uh, the same quarter year earlier. It did nearly break even uh, for the fourth quarter year earlier, which was a real achievement. You know, obviously at that time on very cheap fuel and before a lot of the uh the 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 new uh, competing capacity it's facing was uh was in the marketplace you know it faces uh right there um in its own backyard uh wow air growing you know basically doing a lot of the same things that iceland air is doing all the six freedom connecting traffic in Reykjavik but just with a much much lower cost platform so that that's that's hard to deal with you know you've got somebody over there who's got i mean who who knows? You know, hours finances are in public, but you know, I, I assume it's unit costs are you know thirty percent, forty percent lower uh, than Iceland airs. That's that's pretty tough uh, to to deal with that as well as with all the other new competition. Um, uh, Norwegian, which we talked about before, uh, you know, a lot of that kind of flying, you know, between um, Oslo and and you know various points in 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 the U.S. is that some of that is traffic that would have connected. In, in Reykjavik, and now you've got a, a cheap nonstop flight from you know uh, to wherever you're going. So um, it's 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 a tough market. Uh, you know, it's a well-managed company that that has generally outpunched its weight. I think I've said that twice already. The show, haven't I? In different contexts, outpunched its weight. Um, you know, did a real creative job of doing what it did um, in terms of the sex freedom business in in uh, in Reykjavik. Marketing Iceland as a great stopover destination. Uh, you know, hey, I fly all all the way through the you know from let's say North America to Europe in one di- in one direction, and then stop in in Reykjavik for a few days in the other direction. Uh, done it all very well, but um, it, it's just it's just a lot of new capacity in its in its market and um you know something's going to have to happen for it to reclaim the kinds of margins uh that it had in recent years especially if you've got the revenue pressures because of all the competition combined with now you know fuel costs that have uh uh, that have risen. What one helpful thing, by the way, uh, you know, a lot of adverse currency uh, movements around the world. Um, in in Iceland, that's that's not the case. Um, Iceland's currency has uh, held up rather well, which generally, you know, even though it, uh, you know, it's not great in terms of marketing the destination, you know, because it's you know for inbound travelers, it's not as cheap as it would otherwise be. Generally, when you're an airline, you like trading in a uh, in, in a strong currency because it's just so helpful in terms of cost. You know, buying fuel and and you, which you're buying in U.S. dollars. You know, you're financing your aircraft in U.S. dollars and and all that. And so, so generally, uh, a strong currency is helpful. Volaris seven percent operating margin for the fourth quarter, twelve percent for the year. That's seven percent down from fourteen percent a year earlier. So, you know, if you talk about just kind of looking at uh, the 
quarterly trends or trends from the most recent quarter to indicate what's going on. That's obviously, uh, you know, not great. The yearly margin was was actually similar. The annual margin, the twelve percent you mentioned, was uh, was similar to uh, to uh, was was down. Uh, by just a couple points from a year earlier, and yeah, it's it's uh, you know Mexico is just a place where uh, there's all kinds of growth, and it's a place where, as opposed to other points in Latin America, where you, you know trend where things seem to be going in the right direction in terms of macroeconomics, not necessarily the case in Mexico. Um, you know, its currency has been under pressure. Other Latin American currencies have been strengthening. Mexico's peso has been under pressure, uh, largely being you know, ever since the U.S. election and these questions about what's going to happen um, to the relationship between the U.S. and Mexico. And, uh, you know, and, and then just, you know, related to, to, to that even more specifically in terms of the airline industry, you, you know, if there's going to be a slowdown in, in, in flows of people between those countries, um, you know, that's not going to be a good thing for uh, an airline like Volaris that does a, a lot of transporter uh, business. So it's still, you know, they've got the right model. Uh, they've got the right, you know, kind of backing. They, they too are an Indigo Partners uh uh, airline Mexico, by the way, a place where you know you've got a battleground of the two big ultra LCC backers, Volaris, backed by Indigo Partners, uh, Viva uh, Airbus, backed by um, by um, Irlandia uh, Aviation. That's the the Ryan family group. So uh, you know they're both going at it. They're both uh, doing rather well, but a, a a tougher neighborhood to be operating than it had previously been. Here's an airline we don't talk about much: Air Arabia, negative twelve percent operating margin for the quarter, but. A positive ten percent for the year. Yeah, but in terms of uh, you know, sort of fourth quarter trends, the sort of most recent numbers indicating what's happening at an airline, that negative twelve percent about as ominous as as anything around the world. Um, that compares to positive twelve percent for the same quarter, the fourth quarter, uh, a year earlier in two thousand fifteen. And Jason, I haven't. I'd have to go and just double check the whole list of airlines, but I don't think there's anybody who has had that dramatic of a um, of, of a, a negative reversal, you know, of roughly a 24 per point swing um, there from uh, positive 12 percent to negative 12 percent. Uh, you know, this is an airline. Um, it, it's one of those situations where a lot of it is just what neighborhood you're uh, you're operating in. I mentioned you know Volaris. Of, you know, rather successful airline that's struggling. Well, here's one that's, uh, you know, in the Arabian Gulf. Um, you've got all this capacity growth by everybody at the same time that, that, uh, you know, demand has plummeted because of, uh, um, just, you know, lower uh, oil related revenues coming into the region and so forth. And so, yeah, so here you have, uh, a pretty good airline that, uh, that, that is, uh, uh, clearly now really struggling. So, um, you know, we'll have to see going forward here, but, uh, the, Hard to imagine that they'll be able to replicate that uh, positive ten percent that they produced for all of last year without some dramatic reversal in in uh, some of those factors that I mentioned. Jazeera Airways negative seven percent operating margin for the quarter, but a positive seventeen percent for the year. Yeah, pretty basically ditto everything I just said for uh, Air Arabia. Same story, uh, not not as dramatic of a reversal, but that negative seven percent was down from positive five percent a year earlier. All the same kinds of uh, of uh, of negative uh, trends there. And in Jazeera's case, uh, it, it, it's based uh, not in the UAE. Um, Air Arabia is based in Sharjah near Dubai. Jazeera based in uh, in Kuwait, exposed to a lot of the same kinds of traffic flows, and and thus a lot of the same kinds of of, of pressures on demand. Singapore Airlines an eight percent operating margin for the quarter, 
but only 5% for the year. Yeah, um and and at least it's going in the in the right direction. Um it, both of those figures up up slightly from the same figures uh pre uh, a year earlier uh or from the same periods I should say a year earlier. But look, Singapore Airlines is an airline uh, based in a region where talk about capacity glut. I mean, it, it, it's it doesn't seem to be letting up. Um, you know, capacity growth is outstripping demand. I guess almost by definition, right? That's why profits are under pressure the way they are the way they are. Um, uh, you know, unit revenues have been falling for everybody. Yeah. So so Singapore Airlines, you know, clearly uh, continuing to struggle. Uh, I, I will say it's Scoot low cost long haul unit. Uh, you know. Look, not wildly profitable or anything, but uh, at least not the same drag that it's been on the company. Tiger Air, on the other hand, um, you know, for the past year or so now, wholly owned by uh, Singapore Airlines, does uh, still seem to be uh, quite a drag on the company. Copa, twelve percent operating margin for the quarter and twelve percent for the year. Yeah, um, although not the kinds of figures it once put up. It, it was it's another one of those airlines that used to be up there with WestJet at the. Just the very top of the uh, of the global profitability rankings. Uh, you know, neither of them uh, near the top now. But that's actually rather hopeful because um, uh, it, it seems to have stopped the bleeding in in its uh, problem markets. You know, uh, Brazil is, is is a place where Copa has a lot of exposure, and macroeconomic trends there uh, have improved considerably. I mean, any airline that said anything about Brazil has said that uh, things there are getting better, and so that along with along with positive trends in other uh, you know markets for Copa. Um, has helped it uh, has helped it stabilize. Um, uh, you mentioned the twelve percent for the quarter. That's up from seven percent for the same quarter a year earlier. So uh, that that's very hopeful for the year. Um, you know, roughly similar to what it had a year earlier. But you know, if you want to, you know, some airlines, you know, the the annual figure sort of belies negative trends. Here's one where the annual figure doesn't really speak to the fact that things are uh, rather clearly getting better. Not the hyper growth airline that it had been a few years ago, and that's going to always put upward pressure on your unit costs if you're not growing so quickly and achieving scale. But Copa had to get its hands around uh, some very worrisome negative revenue trends, and it indeed uh, seems to be doing just that. Moving a little further south, Goal, 13% operating margin in the fourth quarter, 7% for the year. And there you go, an airline that's uh, obviously uh, exposed even quite a bit more to Brazil than, than Copa is, because the goal, after all, based there, and uh, you know the, the vast majority of its business is is uh, domestic Brazil, and the, the rest of it is you know flying people to and from Brazil. Um, and, and so yeah, that that thirteen percent margin for the quarter that had been negative four percent in the same quarter a year earlier. So that is a very dramatic. Uh, swing in the right direction. Uh, th- this is an airline that um, you know, it's mopping up a, a, a kind of a big mess. So even with a positive seven percent operating margin, as you said, this is an airline that's still losing money at the net level, um, because it just has such a bad balance sheet. You know, just just you know, very high interest cost and 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 that sort of thing. So uh, it has a lot to clean up uh from the past few years. But but that is a uh for you know, for an airline that was um you know. Some people thought on the brink of liquidation at one point that the goal has gotten itself back on uh, on, on much uh, firmer footing. So certainly uh, uh, good to see for goal. We'll stay in Brazil for the last one. Azul, 9% operating margin for the fourth quarter, 5% for the year. Yeah, and uh, 
kind of ditto everything I said for goal, right? Uh, that that's up positive nine percent uh, was up from negative seven percent for the quarter year earlier. The f- positive five percent for the year was up from negative three percent uh, for two thousand. Uh, what would it have been two thousand fifteen? Uh, and so yeah, you know this this is. Uh, an airline also that was, uh, you know, in real deep trouble and now, uh, now seems to be, uh, doing better. I mean, it still has, look, it's, it's long haul operation. I, I don't know if that'll ever be, um, a driver of profits. Um, you know, and, and I mean, as well admitted that it, it probably wouldn't have gotten into that business if it knew what was going to happen next in terms of, uh, in terms of the, you know, the, the regional and global economy. But at least it's it's a core business, you know. You can imagine being being fine, and uh, and yeah, things. Uh, th- th- that's a that's a rather dramatic uh, turnaround. Uh, Brazil, both just looking at the results of those airlines and listening to others who are exposed to it. Um, it look, it's 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 often a boom bust market. It's one of those places you have certain developing markets that you know India is another one uh, that's that way. Uh, but whereas India right now is. It's going in the wrong direction. Uh, Brazil very clearly is uh, going in the right direction. Good to see Brazil's carriers on the mend. And with that, we are out of time. Thanks, Seth, for your insights as always, and the longest lightning round ever. <laughs> and thank, and thank you for joining us in the Airline Weekly Lounge. This podcast has been sponsored by OAG. Learn more at oag.com. Can't believe you're making fun of Finnair's livery. <laughs> N- nothing safe on the on the lounge. <laughs>